In the fall each year we all congregate The bound all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a precious Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing show. I'm your host, Seth Saunders, and we are fired up to have a West Blankenship here with us today to help us preview week three and talk about the Dogs SEC opener against South Carolina between the hedges this weekend. Wes, what's going on, brother? Seth, ready for kickoff, man. Ready for some SEC ball. Yeah, us as well, brother. Us as well. Well, look, before we get started, I want you to tell our listeners about everything you got going on. I know between Dogs HQ and Go Fight Win. You got you got a ton of things going on. So tell our listeners how they can follow you and support you. Yeah. So for all the Georgia fans out there, the most relevant things that I do are over at uh, dogshq.com, specifically the Dogs HQ YouTube channel. Uh, we have a couple shows each week. It's just called the Georgia Show. Uh, we figured, you know, since we were the first show to start any kind of weekly stream about Georgia football. And, uh, you know, there's definitely nobody else doing that out there. So we just figured we'd own the Georgia show and keep it really specific. But we talk about the game. Uh, we, you know, recap injuries and uh, talk about storylines and hit on all the recruiting news and all that stuff. So that's uh, every Sunday and Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. on the Dogs HQ YouTube channel. And as you mentioned, I also solo host a show called Go Fight Win, and it is all about high school football storytelling. Um, it's not about the five-star kids or the most, uh, you know, cliche-inspiring Friday Night Lights type of stories. It's a show that doesn't take itself too seriously, and if you've heard any of my Coffee Town clips, you know I'm a big fan of absurd high school football storylines, but uh, they're not always fiction. A lot of times the truth is stranger than fiction. And each week I find the craziest headlines I saw from around the country, highlight those, have a, you know, a, a different sketch in the middle of the show, something funny to mix it up. And we always have a good uh, celebrity guest to come on and talk about their high school football career. So the most recent episode as we're recording this is a dog, Matt Stinchcomb, who had a lot of great stories from his time at Parkview High School. So a lot of good stuff I have going on that uh, Dogs fans might be interested in, and you're all welcome to join. So I'm interested to hear this about Go Fight Win. When you started doing Coffee Town, did you have any idea what it would turn into and the interest that it would generate? And I mean, people love it, and it's something people look forward to, and it brings so much joy. I mean, did, did you have any idea that it would spawn what it has? No. And I, I thought it was going to be an inside joke with people that were kind of in the industry that kind of, you know, know how high school football radio sounds. And, you know, I thought, you know, people who grew up around high school football would get the joke, but I didn't think that it would resonate to the extent that it has where, you know, people can't help but share it or, you know, not only is it in the Southeast, it's, you know, as far as Washington State, Michigan, Oklahoma, like I, I hear feedback from all over the country about 
how much those Coffee Town radio sketches sound a lot like uh, their high school football radio experiences growing up. So it taught me that, you know, even in this age of college football where NILs kind of got people feeling jaded a little bit, all this conference expansion is hard to follow. Um, I still love college ball, don't get me wrong, but I think it's very appealing to follow these high school football stories because in a lot of ways, it's kind of the final frontier of pure football in a lot of ways. And, and even that for a lot of teams uh, across the country is starting to look a lot like college football too. So I'm just trying to enjoy that, embrace that vibe as long as it's out there and just give people a place to touch something real and enjoy some, uh, some good stories, man. And some of them are true. Some of them are written by me and they're made up, but at the end of the day, it's all fun and it's all uh, out of respect for the people that make high school football great. What I love about it, man, is I think you really tap into nostalgia for a lot of people. You know, we've had a lot of guests on this show through our interview series over the years. And especially with the former players, it always kind of hits me a little bit that the time they're most fond about is high school football, which even the guys that played in the NFL, you know, they talk about Friday Night Lights and and those memories with those guys. And so I think it taps into that. And, And for anybody who didn't play past high school, that's the football memory they have. So I think it's just something that hits people right in the heart. And uh, it's outstanding. You do a magnificent job with it. So love what you're doing with Go Fight Win. And, and uh, everybody, please support that. The interviews are outstanding, too. On this same vein, I want to get you to do some Coffee Town superlatives for okay. these Georgia Bulldogs, okay? So we're, right. gonna do, we're gonna do four of them. First one is, who is the player on the Georgia roster most likely to have been an alum of Coffee Town High School? Oh, most likely to have been an alum? Uh, you know, I'm a little partial because I covered this area while I was kind of piecing together the 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 feeling of Coffee Town. It wasn't really a concrete idea, but back to my days working for 13 WMAZ in Macon, I drive up and down uh, between Macon and Milledgeville a whole lot. And I think about Javon Bullard because that school, Baldwin, I think there's like one street lamp outside of it, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> it's right before you get into town in Milledgeville. And uh, it's it's kind of got the feeling of a coffee town school. He wasn't the biggest or best recruit, uh, but you can tell that once he made it to the college level, and even before that, he had some thump in those shoulder pads. So I'll go with uh, I'll go with Javon Bullard. Love that Javon Bullard, honorary coffee town alum. Uh, what a what a mantle to wear. So I love that. Okay, next one is player most likely to take Ashley Holt's mom on a date. On Georgia's football roster, uh, yeah. Hmm. All right, I'm I'm trying to think of someone that's respectful, but but also <laughs> kind of towing the line a little bit. Maybe Chaz Chambliss. Oh, that's a good one. I love that. I yeah, mean, he's I love- just a mean-looking dude, and you know, I think he would take good care of an older lady on a date, but he's also not scared <laughs> to ask for the date. You know? Yeah, yeah, I like that. Okay, player on Georgia's roster most likely to open the first big tire franchise location. All right, so we're we're talking about an entrepreneurial player here, uh, someone who kind of is a little gritty, a little blue collar. Mm, 
I'll go with uh, Tate Ratledge because he's shown this kind of entrepreneurial spirit with his podcast and tapping into that, putting himself out there. But with that mullet, he's not really walking into a lot of boardrooms with that. So I'll go with uh, Tate Ratledge. I would love to see Tate rocking a big tire t-shirt pregame yeah. in the very, very near future. <laughs> need to work on some NIL with Coffee Town. That's right. That's right. All right. Last one. Player on Georgia's roster most likely to replace Matt's the Axe Bell once he puts the headset down. Okay. Uh, all right. So someone with someone with a crazy voice. Who's who's on the team? Hmm. Someone that's just really fired up all the time. I mean, Georgia doesn't really. I'm trying to think of like some of the fiery leaders on the team, and you know, Bullard's one for sure. Uh, maybe. Okay, we're talking media, so uh, I think Warren Brinson because he's kind of shown that he wants to get into media. I don't know yeah. if I want to do high school football broadcast, but he's comfortable behind a mic, so I'll yeah. go with Warren Brinson. I like that. Yeah, I think Warren would do a great job. Yeah, great personality, quick on his feet. I think I think he would do well in the booth. Okay, love all those. Those are fantastic. Yeah, that was fun. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit about the 2023 version of the Georgia Bulldogs. What have been your biggest takeaways on offense and defense thus far? I'll start with the good news, and I'll start, and not that the offense is terrible news, but it's it's just not as good of news. Um, I'll start, start with the defense, man. This defense, I kind of believed it coming into the season and watching them play two games so far and say what you will about the opponents, but Georgia plays to Georgia's standard, and the standard for Georgia right now in defense is it's even more of a no-name defense than maybe the 2021 team was, and that mm-hmm. is a is a good thing because a lot of those no-name guys got drafted. Now, Kirby himself has said that he doesn't think there's that many draft picks on this year's team, and he's right, because a lot of those no-name players are will not be eligible for the draft. You know, Malachi Starks, um, one of those players that comes to mind for me, and a lot of these freshmen that are playing, like with the, the health concerns and safety with Bullard out, you could see Janelle Aguero get some meaningful reps against South Carolina and, and he's really impressed. So those are just two random guys that just pull out of the, out of the air there. But I, I thought coming into this year that this defense could be, you know, not the 2021 part two, but maybe 2021 uh, B to the 2021 a, because it's so deep at so many different groups. And yeah, Kirby would probably push back on that because he always wants to have more depth on the defensive line, but you're placing, Jalen Carter, and you're doing pretty well with the guys that are kind of platooning it up there with uh, Stackhouse and uh, Tramel Walthour and and all those guys. And once TID gets back, I mean, I'm expecting big things from him as well. So this defense is amazing, and uh, it, it is going to do some special things this year. Maybe not quite as dominant as 2021, but then then again, man, you know, with the schedule being as easy as it seems to be. Maybe they do clamp down a little bit better than that 2021 team did just because it, you know, theoretically is a little bit easier with some of the matchups. Uh, on offense, they got to get something going in the run game. And fans are singling out the O-line and singling out some of the perimeter blocking, and that is all fair. Uh, but I go back to last season, 
And some of these games like Sanford, Kent State, you know, the O-line just kind of clocked in, clocked out, right? They knew they were going to get the win and they weren't as fiery as they could be. And that's frustrating because you hear Kirby Smart say, we play to a standard, but then when they don't play to a standard, you know, what 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 is said and what you see on the field are two different things. And it's just human nature, man. Like they they already know they're a championship caliber team. Not that they know they're already a championship team. I don't think they're, you know, that full of themselves, but I think they do recognize that they're better than a lot of these teams they play, even in the SEC. So the biggest threat this year is don't let a Missouri happen again because right. you know you're lucky that you won that game. It's not a guarantee you're going to win it again. And Georgia won a lot or, or uh, learned a lot because of that win, and it helped them beat Ohio State. I mean, the players told me that after the game that they pointed back to that Missouri game all year long as something that gave them kind of a touch point to know that uh, you got to bring your stuff every single game. So – I don't know, man. I, I think the the older leaders on the team need to remind some of these guys that we can't just show up and beat everybody. All that to say, though, you know whether or not the O line's getting as much push as you think they should. Georgia's running backs are just not um, as game ready as we're used to seeing. You know, mm-hmm. Kendall Milton's banged up. Roger Robinson's a true freshman. He looks good, but he's still trying to figure out the playbook in a lot of ways. Andrew Paul surprisingly didn't get a lot of snaps against Ball State. I don't know if they had him on a pitch count or what. And uh, I'm excited to see what Dejan Edwards brings back to the fold um, as he as he gets back to action, presumably, against South Carolina. But they're just not making many people miss. They're not really evading a lot of people. And uh, when you saw Dylan Bell come in there against Ball State and shake things up a little bit, I think it was kind of a shot in the arm. Like, hey, where's this been? Like, this is what Georgia's running – running game could look like and it's what we're used to seeing it look like so uh, on offense they've got to figure that out and I'm not as down on Beck as a lot of people are I think he's got a lot to prove I'm not super high on him either uh, because I want to see him prove it against SEC opponents and I want to see what he does uh, at Auburn that first SEC road test first road Mm -hmm. test as the guy I'm excited to see what he can do and I think he's gotten better from game one to game two Still needs to take another step in Game Three for me to fully uh, feel like I know what I'm I'm watching with Carson Beck. I think those are both great points. In a lot of ways, Saturday for me is a smell test game for the offense. Uh, are they what we think they're going to be? Um, I think they're finally going to see better opponents up and down all three levels of the defense. So, yeah, I, I think it, it's a game for Carson to show who his teammates think he can be who we've been told he can be. And we'll see how that goes. I, I think you bring up a yep. great point about the running backs. I think Dejon's absence is part of that. I am interested to see what they look like with him back in the fold. The other question is, is he fully healthy? Coach Smart seemed to indicate that he could have gone last week, but given the opponent, they didn't really think the juice was worth the squeeze on that. Uh, I think the Dylan Bell thing is interesting, man. Carson comes out this week, and whether it was a slip or not, kind of says we envision him kind of in this Debo Samuel role where he's mm. doing a little bit of everything. And I love that. I think that's fantastic because I think one of the concerns has been, and I think this has been Cash Jones's involvement, is who's going to catch the ball out of the backfield yeah. uh, for the Georgia running backs. And so Dylan could obviously fill both those voids. Let me ask you this about the offense, too. And this is something I feel like hasn't got touched on a ton, but – are we also seeing how important Lad McConkey is to this offense running like a well-oiled machine, given his absence the first two weeks? 
Yeah, no doubt. And it's it's funny you say that because Georgia added to its depth at wide receiver through the portal, and they've got some really talented freshmen and redshirt freshmen like C.J. Smith. Um, but Ladd McConkey has the experience of the offense, and he's a tough dude. He can block. And when you miss you know, key pieces like that, like it's kind of been like a ramp, a ramp up into the season for Georgia offensively. Um, you didn't have Dejan Edwards for the first couple games. You get him back. You add him back. You didn't have Ladd McConkey. When are you going to add him back? We don't know yet. Uh, so there's that. I think that you're seeing how impactful Darnell Washington was in this offense, mm-hmm. uh, blocking and just impacting the game that way. So Georgia's got some things to figure out, some hiccups. But luckily, you know, the schedule's so soft to open things up that you got a little bit of time to put things on tape and then adjust, put things on tape and adjust, do some R and D and figure out, all right, that didn't work. Who's going to step up. Uh, We're thin here. How are we going to patch it up somewhere else? So I think Georgia has the depth offensively to, to figure that out, especially on the offensive line. You know, Georgia has been known to shuffle things around and cross train guys at different positions. So, Things aren't working out with, say, Ernest Green. I'm not just singling him out, but he did kind of have a a tough game against Ball State. Who's to say you don't play a little musical chairs and try some guys out against South Carolina if need be and and see what happens. So I'm not panicking about Georgia's offense. They've scored 40-plus points in both games. So I I think they'll figure it out. And as far as, you know, Mike Bobo's criticism, you know, that was going to happen. That was inevitable. But I think he's doing some good things. I think he's – building this offense around the playmakers. And if you don't have some of your best playmakers, then you're going to get that on the field. And I think once lag gets back, uh, once Brock Bowers is like fully ready to go, he's kind of been a little banged up the last couple of weeks. That hasn't really been discussed too much. And I don't think I'm breaking any news here. I just think it's part of the game. You know, he, he gets a lot of targets and plays uh, really tough and doesn't like to sit out. So, think once you kind of ease into the season and get guys fully ready to go, I think Georgia's offense is only going to get better. Yeah, I agree with you on the, on the Mike Bobo point, too. I think the criticism on that, and to your point, it was going to happen, right? There's just, I feel like, so much cynicism around it. But I, I really think it's been unwarranted. If you're really just watching the games and kind of doing comparables from the past two years, same amount of rushing yards through the first two games as last year. They're spreading the ball around. I think it's two straight weeks. Georgia had 10-plus guys with catches, so a wealth of resources there. And they're using them and spreading that around, which is outstanding. And I really haven't had problems with the the play calling, in all honesty. Um, I know everybody was fussing about the play near the goal line in game one, but it seems to me, based on the context clues, that was something Carson made on the field. Quick judgment call just didn't work out, right? Yep. and I also wonder, too, if the slow starts in the first quarter, how much of that has to do with how the clock rules are now and lack mm-hmm. of opportunities. I mean, Ball State last week, they're down in the red zone opening drive. I thought it was crisper than the previous week. So, yeah, man, I, I'm not down on, on Coach Bobo's play calling or, or how the offenses look. I just – I am very – I think it's compelling Saturday to see how they come out. And I also think, too, to your point from earlier, 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's human nature not to have the juice, right? Like, to get up for those first two games is more difficult than getting up for an Oregon or getting up for a Clemson. So I just think there's going to be a lot more fire in the belly for a 3.30 kick on CBS on Saturday. Agreed. We'll we'll see, but that's kind of my feel on it. I'll ask you one last question and we'll pick some games with you. What does your gut tell you about Carson Beck? Do you feel like this is something where he is shaking off rust from not starting for four years? Or do you think there are underlying issues that folks could be concerned about and he may not be manning that position by season's end? Well, I think when you look historically at Kirby Smart's time in Athens, you know, a lot of times the guy that started the year was not the starter at the end. So that's the only thing, and that's the only thing that tells me that he might not be the starter at the end. I don't see anything in his game that tells me he's not good enough for the job. I think in the first game, he, you know, you know, shaking off rust is one way to put it. I just think, I think he looked tight. I think he yeah. didn't want to let it rip too much. Mm-hmm. And I think he stepped that up a little bit in, in the first quarter against Ball State. There was a little bit of that, but they only had two possessions. So he got a little uh, grease on that wheel as the game went on, and they left him in the game for a lot longer than I thought. I was expecting to see a lot more Brock Vandegrift in this one. But I think they wanted to give him as much repetition as they could. And he looked loose. I mean, he had a good game, man. Mm-hmm. I can watch it. You know, use your eyes, not your uh, – you know, don't don't look through the lens of I hate Mike Bobo glasses. They're doing a good job. Now it's two games, very small sample size, and if some of these issues continue, you're going to have a reason to gripe. But I've seen uh, Carson Beck just improve each and every game. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that too. And I thought two throws for me. I thought the deep ball to, to Arian Smith on the deep post. I was beauty. Third- Throw to Cass Jones in the end zone, man. Just two yep. really, really beautiful throws. And I think that's what they see, and that's what his potential is. And and I think he'll get better week to week as he settles more and kind of sows his oats a little bit. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fired up to see him on Saturday. I think they're going let it, to let it go a little bit, and I think the weapons are there for him to do everything that we all think he can do. So, yeah. For sure. All right, let's pick some games here. Not the uh, – I emailed with you about this. Not the sexiest slate this week, but I've tried yeah. to talk myself into it. Um, Mark to beat here is six and four. So seven wins off this slate. I think it's very doable for you. All right, um, let's see. We are going to start with a noon kick. LSU going to start Vegas to play Mississippi State. 
Cowbells are going to be rocking. This is an interesting game for me. LSU obviously came out and laid an egg against Florida State to start the year. But boy, does Brian Thomas Jr. look like another LSU wideout who is going to make some money on Sundays so mm-hmm. far this season. Uh, Mississippi State has looked different, right? We're used to seeing Will Rogers slinging the ball around the field, and it just hasn't been that way thus far. His pass attempts are way, way down. Former Georgia wide receiver Justin Robinson on that roster, so maybe we see a little something out of him. Um, and I know one person happy about the lack of throws there in Starkville is uh, our good buddy Aaron Murray who is hoping that Will Rogers doesn't eclipse those records by the end of the year. But uh, the Tigers are a nine-and-a-half-point road favorite. Who do you like in that one? Yeah, I think even though Mississippi State isn't slinging it as much as we're used to, I I do I think that LSU's – the back end of their defense is just a little shaky. And Rogers is just a, a good enough of a quarterback to expose some of that stuff. Um now, unless you know, if LSU starts deciding they want to use Harold Perkins the right way instead of limiting him so much, then maybe they'll cover this. But my gut is telling me that Mississippi State will play this one a little tighter and cover that nine and a half. Yeah, my co-host James is taking Mississippi State as well. I am going to go with with the Bulldogs from the West. Also, okay, I like that. I like that they're at home. I like that it's a noon kick. I think that home field will be rocking and ready to go. And um, yeah, man, I'm with you. I, I like Will Rogers. I, I think he'll do some good things, and I think he'll give that defense some problems. I'm also just man. I I don't know what LSU is yet. I I just I don't know who they are. I don't know who if they will become what everybody thought they would in the West. I think that West is wide open. So yeah, yep. I, I like I like the Bulldogs to cover as well. All right, next game on the docket is Kansas State traveling to Columbia to play Missouri, uh, an old Big Twelve matchup. Oh yeah, uh, K State four and a half point road favorites there. I think this is an interesting ball game, man. That Chris Kleiman can coach. Came from North Dakota State, four time national title winner. They win the Big Twelve last year in that epic game against TCU. Um, I mean, dude, quarterback's a good player. Big boy, 2'6", 5", 250. Runs it, throws it. Uh, dude, DJ Giddens runs the football. Mizzou is Mizzou. I mean, they're, uh, you know, I, I'm not hearing no there about Brady Cook. Luther Burton's Luther Burton. He's electric. But how, how do you feel about that one? You know, I, I think that if this was a night game, I'd like Mizzou's chances to cover a little bit more here. I don't know. The sleepy... 12 kick in Columbia, not really doing it for me. So I'll go Kansas State. Yeah, my co-host James is taking K-State, and I am also going to go Emaw. I think Will Howard is the X factor in this. I think he's going to be too much for Mizzou. Also, boy, K-State laid the absolute wood on the Tigers last year yeah. in Manhattan. Um, I just think I think advantage pretty much everywhere on this dock. It goes to, goes to the Wildcats. So, yeah, for we're sure. all there. Okay, next one is... Interesting in some ways, just given the matchup last week between UNC and App State, but Minnesota going to Chapel Hill. PJ Fleck and the Row the Boat Boys are rolling into town as uh, seven and a half point road dogs. Um, UNC obviously has Drake May, and he's going to be the story. But man, their their running back is starting the year great. Omarion has two thirty four and three touches to start the year. Minnesota got problems at quarterback too. You know. Athen Kalikamanis, which, boy, did he miss out coming to play for the Dogs with that name. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they just had a tough time scoring the football. So who do you like in that one? ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, I'm a big Mac Brown fan, and I think that 
he's building a pretty good roster. He's gotten back to his roots. He's leading well and, and recruiting pretty well. So I haven't watched a ton of North Carolina football, caught a little bit of that South Carolina game in the end of the App State. But I think when you come off of a, an App State game like that and with a coach like Mac Brown who's been around the block a time or two, I don't think he's going to leave any shred of motivation for his team to come out there and uh, and sink the boat, especially with everything they have going on with the NCAA. I think this team is very focused and very hungry and uh, very talented and still playing with the chip on their shoulder. So uh, give me the heels. My coach, James, also going to take the heels, and I'm going to roll with them too. I, I think uh, I, I think Carolina's offense is just going to be too much, man. I don't think Minnesota has the firepower to keep up. This is a uh, a shift from the norm for my co-host, and I usually love P.J. Fleck and the Gophers, but I, I just don't think they have the, the firepower to do it on Saturday. Okay, next one is obviously interesting because of what's been going on in East Lansing this week, but Washington – is traveling to play Michigan State. Five o'clock kick there in East Lansing. Michigan is a 15-and-a-half-point road favorite. Man, boy, they are a fun, fun team. Michael Penix Jr., big Penix energy, just doing it again this year, throwing the ball all around the yard. They may end up having three 1,000-yard receivers this year. That is sick. It's a, it's incredible, man. Between Roma Dunze, Jalen McMillan, and Jalen Roma, they, they're just they're unbelievable. And let me tell you something, that Roma Dunze, man, that boy can fly. Ran a 10-6 in high school in the 100. I mean, that kid can play. Michigan State, they've looked okay. I mean, Noah Kim's playing quarterback, first-year starter. Nathan Carter's got back-to-back 100-yard games out of the backfield for them. I uh, thought it was very interesting that during the press conference on Sunday, they announced that Mark D'Antonio coming back to be part of the staff mm. and kind of helped shepherd uh, interim coach Harlan Barnett. So how do you feel about that one? Yeah, all the on-the-field stuff kind of goes out the window for me on this when uh, you consider the shell shock of losing your coach while you're just a couple games into the season. So I don't see how Michigan State really uh, rallies around that. I think it's going to be a tough one for Sparty, and I think Washington has no problem covering that 15-and-a-half. Yep, James going to take them too, and so am I, man. I, I love this Washington team. I just think they could be one of the stories of the year. I think they were a very undersold story of last year. They had the number two offense in the country behind Tennessee. I mean, in a lot of ways, they were Tennessee West on the offensive side of the ball. I just think they're electric and uh, so much fun to watch. So, yeah, Huskies for everybody. So we're all in line so far. No parity yeah, amongst, amongst I'm not really the shaking three. anything up yet. Let's see if it keeps going. Okay, next one on the docket, big-time SEC matchup. The Vols are heading to Gainesville to play Florida. I'm going to hit you with this. The Vols have played in Gainesville 18 times in the last 50 years. They are 2-16, and 16, two wins in the swamp. And they came back in 01 and 03. Uh, Joe Milton and the boys looked a little slow against Austin P last week. I think it surprised everybody. The Governors win that game a lot longer than everybody anticipated. Florida with Graham Mertz, you know, he's throwing to Ricky Pearsall, and that's about it. There's about three other pair of shoes that are out there with Ricky. But I don't know, man. Florida ain't seem like they're much to me. Uh, they are a six-and-a-half-point dog at home. Who do you like in this one? Yeah, I got to go Vols. I think that streak and that, uh, that terrible stretch in the swamp is uh, not going to work out for Florida this time around. They just don't seem to have the depth that Tennessee has. And uh, I know Tennessee was slow, and I really think their offense is underwhelming compared to the expectations that uh, the Vols had coming in. But with all that said, I think they're good enough to beat Florida by more than a touchdown. 
Yeah, we're all going Vols. James is taking them, and so am I. I just think the weaponry on the offensive side of the ball for Tennessee will win the day. Um, I just don't think Florida has the Jimmys and the Joes this year. And I think, for the most part, that was the reason for uh, for that 2-16 and 16 record. A lot of Spurrier and Urban Meyer rosters in, mm-hmm. that, uh, in that cadre of games. So, yeah, yeah, we're all Vols on that one. This next game is interesting to me just because of the number, okay? Georgia Tech came out in the opener and gave Louisville all they wanted at the Benz. Uh, looked good under Brent Key. Haynes King has looked fantastic, has had a great start to the year. Talk about the ultimate like upgrade button, right? Jeff Sims out in Lincoln, and we're bringing Haynes King in from College yeah. Station, and things are cooking. They are going to Oxford to play Ole Miss. 7.30 kick, brother. That's 12 hours in the Grove for Rebels fans. That stadium is going to be yeah. raucous come kickoff. One interesting thing, I think, for that Ole Miss team, Quinshawn Judkins off to a little bit of a slow start. Only 100 yards rushing thus far in the season. Ole Miss is an 18-and-a-half-point home favorite. Who do you like mm. in that one? Yeah, I think Judkins has been slowed down a little bit because people are uh, keying in on him. All right, and he's a good back, though. I mean, Lane Kiffin sat in the rain watching him for a reason. And with that night kick, I don't know how seriously Ole Miss fans will take Georgia Tech. I think they should take them seriously, but I don't think Georgia Tech is going to be able to stop Judkins all night. I think he's been bottled up. I think he's going to run with some some fire, and uh, I think Ole Miss will will cover that. I know it's a big number, but I think they're going to do it. All right, James is also going to take the Rebels. He likes the, the defensive Sharks to, to rue the day. However, uh, this is going to be the first point of divergence amongst Here we three go. of us. At least I, we have one. This feels gross coming out of my mouth, but I'm going to take the Yellow Jackets. And this is a little bit, because I'm a little bit, uh, I'm still spurned from week one. I had Louisville week one big, and Georgia Tech made me look like an idiot. So yeah. I'm going to ride with Brent Key this week. I think Ole Miss absolutely wins the football game, but I just like the number for the Yellow Jackets. So I will, I will go with Georgia Tech and, and Haynes King to carry the day. All right. Okay, this is another one I think is interesting. We love, love, love the Razorbacks and Boss Hog Coach Pittman. BYU coming to town with former USC and former Pitt quarterback Kevon Slovis, uh, Slovis, and then K.J. Jefferson, one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC, Playing pretty well thus far this season under new offensive coordinator Dan Enos after Kendall Bryles went to TCU. Rocket Sanders not supposed to play on Saturday night in Fayetteville. Arkansas is in a seven and a half point uh, home favorite. Who do you like in that one? Uh, let's hit that jukebox. Let's go with the Hogs, man. I love that. I love that. James is going to take BYU in this one. So first, okay. first opposite pick there. I'm also hitting the jukebox, brother. It's hard for me to pick against Coach Pittman. I love K.J. Jefferson. I think he's a great player. was super impressed by him as well at SEC Media Days. Just seems like a really, really nice young man and a heck of a ball player. Uh, once the, the Hogs carry the day and everybody's pig suing it up and rocking the jukebox, though, do not bring Coach Pittman that old Ham's beer. He said it makes him burp, y'all. Yeah, don't so do that. Let's, let's get him something else. All right, next one on the docket is one of our favorite rivalries in all of college football. The backyard brawl. Half Pitt a point. Half a point, man. Basically a pick. I'm pit-headed to Morgantown. Um, Phil Jerkovich, BC transfer, heading the, heading the ship for uh, the Panthers. Coming off a loss to Cincy at home last week. Neil Brown's boys trying to trying to right their ship as well with Garrett Green, dual threat quarterback there. Who do you like in that one? Uh, I'm going West Virginia. I got family lineage from 
West Virginia, and I'm picking the Mountaineers for really no other reason than that. I don't really know a lot about Pitt, and uh, I think a, a backyard brawl at 7.30 at night is a advantage for whoever the home team is. So give me the Mountaineers. We're all on the Mountaineers. James is taking them, and I'm taking them too. Everybody in Morgantown, y'all protect your couches. Yeah. All right. The big one of the week, I say big just from a hype perspective because it seems like every television outlet in the United States of America is going to be in Boulder this weekend. The Rocky Mountain Showdown, Colorado State, Colorado, the story of the college football season thus far, the Colorado Buffaloes and Coach Prime are 22-and-a-half-point home favorites over the Rams. Who do you like in that one? Well, you know, I thought – you know, maybe it'd be a little bit closer until I saw what Jay Norvell said today about uh, kind of calling out Deion Sanders, saying that he prefers to greet people with his hat on and his sunglasses off, which I think is really just the dumbest thing that, that these things get headlines and attention anyway. But knowing what I know about Coach Prime, he's not going to let that go unchecked. And he's got a really focused team. I know there are a lot of hype right now. But uh, looking at Colorado State just getting blown out by Washington State to start the year, Colorado rolling, uh, I don't like Colorado State's chances. So once again, a big number, but let me take the home team there. Yeah, James and I are all in on Coach Prime. He is also taking the buffs. I will as well. Colorado State also starting a new quarterback this week. They made the switch to Braden Fowler, Nicolosi, which their team seems to be excited about, but that always mm. makes me a little leery having a new guy under center for a big-time road game like that. Also, man, Xavier Weaver, Travis Hunter, and Jimmy Horn Jr., what a trifecta at wide receiver for the Buffs. So, yeah, everybody's going Buffs on Saturday night. Okay, whole reason we're here, SEC opener for the good guys. The Dogs are 27.5-point favorites over the boys from Columbia. How you feeling about this one? Is that too big of a number, or do the dogs make that look like light work? No, I don't think it's too big of a number. I think, uh, once again, it all comes down to depth. It comes down to Georgia's home field advantage, which is going to be massive. It's going to be a loud crowd. Georgia's fans really, really want to see good games between the hedges, and uh, those are kind of at a premium this season. So you got to take what you can get. Your SEC opener is a good candidate to do that, to get loud, make some noise, and make uh, make the game a living hell for the visiting team. I do think Rattler could make things a little closer than you probably want, maybe through a quarter and a half, through two quarters. Once the dam breaks on this team, I think Georgia does just have the physicality and the depth and the wave after wave of punishment that South Carolina doesn't quite have. They've got some dudes, you know, they've recruited well and they've got some good players uh, on the line of scrimmage, but they don't have two and three of them at the same position like Georgia does. So give me the dogs, man. Another big number, another big home game, but I think they do it. A lot of big numbers this week. James and I are also on the dogs. The thing that I worry about for South Carolina is, man, they're only averaging one and a half yards per rush. Yep. Which, if you're Glenn Schumann and Will Muschamp tells me, we don't have to honor that at all. We're just going to pin our ears back and try to be Carolina 2.0 and make nine sacks look like a small number. I mean, yeah. I think the boys just try to eat all day and make Spencer's life very, very difficult. I mean, look, he's had a great start of the year. He's been super efficient, 80-plus completion percentage, over 800 yards. I mean, he's doing what he can do, but 
the cupboard isn't as full <laughs> as you would like it to be on the offensive Correct. side of the football. So, yeah, we're all on the dogs. I think it'll be a fantastic Saturday in Athens for the for the faithful of the home team. Um, well, look, Wes, we appreciate you coming on, brother. Always great to talk with you. Love everything that you're doing. Feel like this might be a 10-0 week for you, man. You'll be taking home the, the 10 pounds of red. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what I win, but uh, I'd be pretty proud of that. So thanks for giving me the opportunity, Seth. Great to talk dogs with you, man. All right, Wes. Take care, brother. You too. Hey, George is better now. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details